welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, the guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. I am your host, Chris Sinclair, joined by my co-host, Mr. Drew Garrison. Welcome, everybody. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I hope everyone else is doing good, too. They won't be able to respond in the same way. We're recording on a different day, so we're a little bit later in the week. I'm still recovering from staying up too late last night. That's actually like more of a concern now. I mean, like hangovers are definitely still a thing, and they, they are a little bit rougher. But I find that like if I don't sleep, that's what I really have the hardest time recovering from. So I I was that is hands down the worst part about getting older is like I was out past my bedtime because I was lucky enough to get to judge the Mai Tai competition at Jungle Bird. They didn't start it till nine. So that was that was different. And that wasn't even necessarily like the craziest part. It was like walking around around eight o'clock Wednesday night in Sacramento and just kind of being like, why are so many people out? What are you doing? Go home and go to sleep. That was a confused part. Although on the flip side, yay, the city's bouncing back. Fantastic. I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yay, nightlife. That's great. Yeah. Yay, nightlife. We had a we had a good showing out to that too. So thanks to Jungle it, it Bird. Looked, it looked like a blast, man. Uh, uh looks like uh, people had a great time and I was it, just happy I wasn't there. <laughs> it, it it was. You know, we had so it was sponsored by Denison Rum. And so we had uh Stephen Barry was there as well, you know, former guest. And it was funny we were talking about how much things have changed, you know, especially for us over the last couple of years. And you know, seeing these competitions and seeing these younger groups come out, like these younger groups of bartenders, these bar staffs and things like that. That's what we did like 10 years ago. Like you had these little clicks of people and stuff like that. And now that's changed. Now there's like this new guard of it. And it's really exciting to see. So listening to the entire Honey and the Trap Cat group, like lose their fucking mind for Molly, like the entire time. Like, and it was, they shut down their bar to go to the competition. Which I just, it's like the most fun ever. And, and everybody had like a pretty good cheering section, which I really appreciated as well. So, so it was cool. You know, it gives me faith for what we have coming up in this industry. And the fact that everybody was just really cool. I, I really like to, I mean, part of the reason that I continue to participate and go to these things is because of this new garden. I need to know who these people are, right? Like I need to meet the up and comers and our future bar managers and things like that, because that's how I make my living is through these relationships and being able to do that. And so it's, it's awesome to kind of see this enthusiasm for it. And even, you know, the Patron thing that we went to a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of people at that. Um, it just seems like things are ramping up again, which yeah, is, it's, it's nice to see new faces. It's um, unnerving as someone who not so long ago knew literally everybody in this industry, right. Uh, in this town. And now it's just a sea of faces now. It really is, but it's but it's also exciting. So yay for Sacramento industry and, and everywhere else too. We, we certainly appreciate it. Now, tonight's guest, not a new face. In fact, it's a little bit older face, but that's why that's why he's we brought him wrinkles. in. He's got, he's got he's got some miles on him, some well earned miles. They laugh lines. But nonetheless, could despite all of his surgeries and things like that, could probably still outrun the both of us. So I'll just that's still not let that be a thing. Our guest tonight is one of the hosts of the Dine One Six podcast, which is an excellent Sacramento-based podcast where they talk about all the the exceptional food scene here in Sacramento. 
He's also an occasional server at Camden pending his health. And then I wanted to introduce him as something else, but I was explicitly told not to talk about a certain subject. So I'm not going to bring it up, but I'm thinking it and I hope we can get it. Our guest tonight, Mr. Neil Little. Neil, welcome, buddy. Thank you for doing this, man. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been a fun listen to you guys as well. And we've learned a lot from you guys, Max and I have, Max being my other co-host of the Dine One Six. So it's an honor to finally get on here with you guys. One of the things that, that I've always appreciated about our relationship is just like, you know, you really do have this love for the industry and hospitality. And I feel like every time that I, I am fortunate enough to talk to you, it's like I kind of like pick up something new or just get really excited. And then now through the podcast, I mean, outside of just being insanely hungry after every episode, <laughs> it's just like the, the enthusiasm comes through. Like, where do you think that your appreciation, your enthusiasm for hospitality started, despite it being a rough industry? Like, you're still here, you're still kicking, and you and you still love it. In these older years that we all are, we're all like the same age. So, like, I don't want to pretend like you're much older than us. If you're not, I'm just saying. Where do you think that comes from? I've always been a people pleaser. Like I like I like seeing people smile. I like seeing people being happy. And one of the things I learned at a young age from my mom, fortunately, was just like how much food can be a part of that and how much food can dictate the way you're going to feel and go. And like, you know, the fuller stomach you are and good company around you, like everyone just always kind of, you know, starts eating and then there's just smiles and happiness and joy. And I just love that food brings that out. And like food is something that doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you do, everyone eats. You have to. It's a part of surviving in this world. And so food always just seems to be an enjoyable experience for me. And so if mm -hmm. I can share that love with other people, it's like, why not introduce to people to as many cool things as possible? And I feel like at restaurants, you get all walks of life of people in there. And that's how you get to grow. And just so many cool things happen there spontaneously. And you're sipping on something kind of fun right now. You have the, you have a CBD peach tea. How, how is that treating you? Taste-wise, awful. Uh, this might be one of the sweetest things I've ever drank in my life. I got a little Graywell gin in here too, just to really. Oh, that's up. right. The, the so Grey we'll Wells see well. where this podcast goes in half an hour. I might be halfway to Mars by that point, but we'll see. Crossfaded is is always a good time and yeah, definitely something that we, that we appreciate. So when it comes to the Sacramento scene and the food scene here, what do you think is something that people don't appreciate enough about it? I don't want to say don't appreciate enough, but more just aren't aware of, I think I would say. It's more of a lack of, not lack of awareness. I don't want to put it so harshly, but whatever. Just like how fresh and how close all of our produce, everything that we eat in town is to us. Like we've got farms just outside in West Sacramento and up in Arden and Placerville area and out at like Patrick's Berry Farm. And like when you eat the salad at lunch, like it was picked earlier today. It wasn't shipped in from somewhere across the country. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't sourced from all these other places. Like, no, that that came from a local farmer from the soil that you walked on to get to work today. And I just think that's so cool. And just so many people, you know, will come in and eat and enjoy such a good meal, but not realizing like this meal came from just like 15 minutes away from you. And I, I think it's something that, you know, when people think of fine dining and things like, you know, they think like the French sauces and all these kind of things. It's like in Sacramento here, we just kind of let the food talk for itself. We don't need to add any sauce to it. I mean, a little butter doesn't hurt. Don't get me wrong. The food just speaks for itself and it's from the grounds around here. And I love that. You know, with your experience and stuff like that, you could kind of work wherever you want to. What makes Camden special for you? Oliver. <laughs> he He is... Newly American citizen. Oliver? Newly American has, citizen. Oliver, has he changed yes. at all in the last couple, like in the last week or two? 
Well, okay, I got to be honest. I- I've been at Camden for like four of the last 16 months due to my various injuries and whatnot. So I don't know if the accent has gone away in the last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver just makes it, he-, he knows how to toe the line between like a lot of fun, but this is also serious work. Mm-hmm. You know, every lineup, there's a joke, there's a laugh, there's something, you know, he makes everyone smile, but it was also like, hey, but at the end of the day, like, this is about the customer coming in and presenting good food to them. And he just wants you to know what you're talking about. Yeah. And just, he doesn't tell us a script of like, say this, and then this, and then this, and then this. It's like, no, go be yourself, but just make sure you know what you're talking about and understand these things. And like, he gives us ample opportunity. If you ever want to try something, there's nothing Oliver loves more than hand you a, a plastic spoon of something and talk about something that he's made. His enthusiasm is infectious as well. Like, you know, I see how much he puts into the food. I can do my part and just kind of understand what he's doing. What is that like? So if anyone is not familiar, Oliver is the owner and head chef for Camden Spit and Larder. I've had the privilege of sitting in on a couple lineups at different places. And it's always kind of, it's always interesting to me how people run down their night. And and again, for lineups, what that is, is your chef, you know, your floor GM, they're going to talk about what's happening that night, what the specials are, how many tops you have coming in, if there's special groups that they need to pay attention to, if there's certain things that they want to highlight, they kind of go through that. It's a rapid fire situation. Like it's a lot of information that that comes out at you. As a server and like, I would say second point of contact after your host, what are the major takeaways for you as a, as a server to make sure that that person has a great time when they come into that restaurant? Oh, that's a good question. My emphasis is comfort. I want you to feel like, like Camden, I, you know, we're fine dining ish. I would almost say like, we're, we're you know, I, we're not going to put it like, we're not with the kitchen or anything like that, but like you can come in in a t-shirt and jeans and feel comfortable there kind of sort yeah. of thing. Well, we sort yeah. of elevated good food. What I want to do when I go up to a table is I just want to gauge your comfort level. Like, what are you looking for tonight? Are you looking for like a prim proper, like second date with Rose on the table? Cool. We can do that. Or are you looking to grab a burger before a Kings game? I just want to put you as in a comfortable environment as you want to be in and take stock in what you are presenting to me and then just building off of that. Per like the lineup and things like that, are there certain things that you like listen for in particular? Like if you know that you're going to get like a certain guest or something like that, what's kind of your takeaway during lineup? So one of the things that our manager, Chris Maltby at Camden is really good about is he wants us to take down as many notes as possible. He wants us to give a, like at the end of each meal, like, Hey, he loved the steak. So, so-and-so over here loved this whiskey. So-and-so over here loved this Chenin Blanc. And like the more information that we can get from these guests, the better prepared we're going to be for the next time they come in. And so we really use a heavy chit system. And so when we have any reservations or things coming in, there's lists of like, you know, we won't say like all the times they've come in, but maybe the last two or three times. And like, what do they like? What, you know, their preferences and dislikes. So the more we get to know these guests, the better we can be presented and give them like what they're looking for. And Chris is really good about that at lineup at presenting us all with the information for the night. Yeah. And Chris is a great guy. We want to put that oh, out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. I've never worked for him. So uh, no, no, Chris, one of my closest <laughs> friends is an awesome guy. I got to I got to tell you uh last time I was in Camden I don't remember why I'd gone in there but I was uh looking relatively bummy after uh you know doing some work. I went in, sat at the bar. It was pre-lineup and Malpy was there on the line. Oliver, they were having a, a conversation quickly beforehand. Uh the bartender was some kid I'd never seen before in my life and I was sitting right next to the uh fruit and garnish tray. The bartender comes over and I was and was like, "Pardon me, sir. What what can I get for you?" Would you like a beer? It's happy hour. How about some uh, how about something nice to eat? And I was like, I'll give you $5 if you, t- if you throw this lemon at 
Malpy's head. (laughs) 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 And he was fucking mortified. He was like, ha, awkward. So about that beer, I get a beer. And I'm sitting there, literally shows up. And as soon as he drops the beer, Oliver walks over behind me and goes, so Claire, what's up, man? How's it going? And this poor kid was like, I don't know. Should I have thrown the lemon? Uh, I don't know. Like this guy clearly knows some people. Maybe I fucked up. I don't know. It was uh, hands down one of the most entertaining experiences I've ever had at a, at a, at a nice restaurant. That is a good way to summarize Camden. You just never know what you're going to get. It is a wild, fun time, you know? You might be sitting at the bar, and next thing you know, the chef's walking up behind you, smacking you upside the head. Yeah, it's great. Happens to the best of us. In providing, like, the service and stuff like that you guys do, when you go other places, how do you act? I mean, what do you think is kind of like that? Because, I mean, some of the feedback that we've gotten recently is like, hey, what are some of the tips that we should have when we go out? Like, what are the things that we should look for or what offer matters? T- what offer doesn't $10 matter? to throw a lemon. Five yeah. Offer, okay. Outside of offering the newly minted bartender $10 to hit their boss in the head with a lemon, what are some of the things that you feel as someone who prides themselves on providing such high levels of hospitality? Like, what are you looking for when you go out? Two things. 20 bucks would have gotten it done, Chris. Five bucks was a little low. Now I know. 20 bucks you would have had. Yeah, come on now. Crisp, Tony, we're good. That'll get you real far. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I actually genuinely hate going out to dinner. It's difficult for me. I immediately just sit down and I just start watching and, and I get into observation mode. I don't go out and enjoy myself. That being said, servers, I feel, can just... It is easy for a server to be overlooked as just like a mouthpiece between getting your order from the menu into the kitchen and back onto your table. Servers, for the most part, like I'll tell you what, I eat that menu all the time. No one eats that menu more at Camden than those of us that work there. So like, ask us questions, engage with us, like, you know, have fun. And again, like, and also like communicate what you're looking for that evening. If you're looking for, you know, a a proper evening, like, yeah, I'm not going to come up there and start goofing around with you and offering long, you know, offering you Long Island iced teas. And it just communication, I, I think it was just open communication and just being engaging with your server. But again, if you're not looking for that, again, just the open communication and just, yeah, just being nice to people. That, that's all it really is. It's really nothing more special than that. Okay. Now let me ask you this. How do you handle bad service? When I get bad service? When you get bad service. Yes. I have no idea what their morning was like. I have no idea what their morning... Like, I go the route of... I have no idea what they're going through and what they've been through. And you can tell the difference between inattentive service and bad service, too. I will always still tip at least 20%. But I just... I don't know what they're going through. Like, maybe... Like, I know I've served days... Like I'll, I'll, I'll tell a very much information story, but like, I served the day I found out my dad had cancer. Guarantee I was not a good server that day. Like, I guarantee I fucked, I don't know how many things up. People didn't take it out on me. I didn't feel it. And so it's just like, again, being nice and communicating is all it takes. I know I've had a shitty day, gotten a really good tip, been like, ah, son of a bitch, Neil, get your shit together. Let's go. And it's like, I hope that maybe my (laughs) tip can be that to someone where it's like, ooh, I didn't deserve that, but I still got it. I'm going to flip this shit around and get better. And so it's like, if I'm getting bad service, that's my hope to be that tip for that person. One hell of a silver lining right there, a uh, way to look at it. To shift gears back to Dine One Six, which again, I think both Chris and I are, are huge fans of. And outside of the fact that, I mean, you guys basically instilled a pizza craving into me with the last two episodes that you guys released. And I was able to scratch a little bit of it with Pizzasaurus Rex last night. You've had a pretty good mix of people on so far. 
who in town do you and Max want to have on next? Like who's kind of like the great white whale for you guys? So for me personally, my great white whale, obviously, as we've been listening to it was Oliver and we got the opportunity to interview him actually a couple weeks ago and it will be coming out in the coming weeks. I'm not going to put a date on it. I'm not that crazy. (laughs) I have a weird answer for that, but it's like, I don't know. And that's the whole point is like, I know this, like we know the good chefs in town. We know the Mulvaney's, we know the Kelly's, we we know the Brad's and the Oliver's and the Billy's. I want to find the chef we don't know. Mm -hmm. I want to find the next person that like, I really want to get into food trucks. I think food trucks are some of the coolest, most awesome food scene in the world. Like, I feel like those are the real grinders and hustlers. My great white whale is I want to interview the person that opens up the next brick and mortar. That is dope. I got a little kick out of seeing the Tower Bridge dinner lineup coming out. And like, we've interviewed two of those people. Like, that was really a cool moment for me to just kind of like almost feel a little bit ahead of the curve. And right. so I would say that like my great white whale is more to be determined because like I want to see someone grow and be a part of that journey for them. For those of our listeners in uh, who are not in Sacramento, the Tower Bridge dinner is is a very hoity-toity expensive dinner that shuts down our, our primary mode of transportation between uh, downtown Sacramento and West Sac right over the American River. Beautiful, bougie dinner for uh, very wealthy people. Yes. What's your process for finding those things? I mean, like, I know a couple of weeks ago, I personally went to this, like, food truck festival that we had up in Auburn. It was actually way fun and got to experience some new places that I had not before. But, you know, for you, that has also turned this into kind of a labor of love as well, like with Dine One Six. How do you find these places? Like, what are you looking for? I mean, how do you find that next chef or that next restaurant? I love the Sacramento Magazine and Sacktown Magazine. I get a lot of information from them. I get their weekly newsletters, and there's always something kind of small and cool going on. Kind of a little tangent on this, but like being in restaurants for so long, you know, I was just accustomed to writing off Tuesdays through Saturdays on anything going on. And it's been fun kind of now to like refocus back on like, oh, I can go check that out on a Friday night. I can go check that out on a Thursday night. But I am so out of the loop on all that stuff that utilizing Sacramento Magazine and Sacktown Magazine has been really cool, like looking at their calendars, like the old school way, like our parents did, <laughs> you know, yeah. looking at like the pink pages in the, in the Chronicle. But like, I get a, a lot of information through them. Like I last year went up to, or was it two years ago, went up to the Mandarin Orange Festival up in uh, Auburn. That was yeah. cool. Didn't know that existed. But what I do is I just bring cards in my back pocket. If I stumble upon something I like, I'm like, hey man, I, or, or he, she, misses whatever, like, I do a podcast about Sacramento. Here's my card. We'd love to have you on. And yeah. like that's it. I just offer it out there and I hope. And honestly, our bite rate, not that this has anything to do with us, but like our bite rate is pretty good because I think these people just want an opportunity to tell their story and we just want to be there for them. I mean, I think people always want to talk about their passions, right? I mean, that's we found that with our podcast as well, is that you'd be surprised how many people say yes to you. Okay, so before we move on to our top stories, last question. If I'm going out on a Wednesday night. And I want to spend right around a hundred bucks. We're, you know, new to Sacramento. Where, where are you sending me? You're pulling my own questions on me right now. I pull I that just, question on mine. <laughs> listen, I'm an let's go. Active, I'm an active listener. Okay. Right, I need a little bit of context here. This is a difficult okay. question. So, hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Coming in from out of town or from Sacramento? Out of town. Out of towners. Oliver, I love you, but I would say Binchoyaki. Oh, I would go Bencho. That is now, I have a hard time saying that because I don't like telling people from out of town about that because I want to keep that as like a little Sacramento thing. But at the same time, I want them to thrive and be wonderful. So I would say Bencho Yaki. 
you know, sit outside, live a little bit, have a little Fast and the Furious go by you on 10th Avenue, but uh, you'll enjoy it. I think it's really, really cool. I think it's, I think they're doing some awesome stuff there. And I, I'm a big tapas style person. I don't like big meals. Let me try like 19 different things. Uh, yeah. That's definitely the stoner in me. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think Bincho would be my, and hell, I, if you spent a hundred bucks there, good, good for you. Chris, do you, do you have an answer for that? I mean, Bincho is a really great, that's a really good answer. I think it would really depend on the people that I had in front of me, what their vibe is, you know, because yeah, like I said, context. Yeah. Context really matters. A hundred dollars will get you pretty far in this town. It's one of the things that, you know, in our industry, a lot of liquor reps, you know, they've, they've got their T and E budgets. They go out and they spend and they're always stoked when they go to Sacramento because it's like, they're not spending $400 on a dinner. The dollars definitely go a little bit further for sure. But if you're looking for, if you're looking for something, Fancy schmancy, man. I send people to Ella because it's, you know, the service is fucking impeccable. I love Waterboy. Quality and quintessential Sacramento food. Mulvaney's too. You know, honestly, personally, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this. I personally, me, have not had amazing food at Mulvaney's. We're going to have to end the podcast right now because. (laughs) I know that's a, that's a divisive comment but um service has been impeccable i've enjoyed the bar plenty of times but the uh honestly the the food has been the handful of times i've went uh has not brought me back in so that's that's my bad sorry chef it is what it is well i'm gonna go on the opposite side of that and i've not been a lot of times but the times i have been Thoroughly enjoyed my experience at an anniversary dinner there once where we got to be in the, um, God, it was like the serving dish room, which was awesome. It's like really cool. Room. It's an amazing room. Bob and, just, Bob and Mulvaney did an amazing job collecting all those dishes and all that ceramic and all those platters. It's just, it's incredible. And just, and just so, so far listeners, if you go to Mulvaney's, like they have these options where you can be in these rooms. It's just you and the person or the people that you're with. It's super cool. And then, but also kind of what is happening right now? Like we're just in here by ourselves. I just want to write the ship here and be like, like I said, I knew it was a divisive comment. I feel like the entire world could hear my trepidation in saying it. We're not you saying know, it anymore. I, just I think, I, I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like you, you didn't bash anyone. You just, you haven't had a few good meals. That That is what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, obviously Mulvaney's is doing fine. Yeah, they, they don't in, need me. Yeah, in spite like, of you. In spite of you. Yeah, I don't think it's. Yeah, I, I think you know. I, I I think honesty is better than. Oh yeah, it was great. And you're like, Ooh, no. It's like I think you saying that will make me trust your word more. To be honest. Yeah, no, I'll start bashing more things than uh, you. Really- <laughs> that a girl. Well, now I think it's time for our opinion on. I don't even know what I'm saying right oh, now. God, I'm so I'm so overwhelmed. I just have this image of like Patrick Mulvaney like busting into Bodega and just beating your ass. Like I don't know. I guess that's what I. I that's all I can see he right would, now. He would have to remember my name first and not just call at me and everybody else chef. It's worth it. And I'll be like, it was that guy. It was that guy the whole time. Our first story that we're going to cover is actually going to be a little participation is required for it. So I'm going to need both of you to oh. grab your buzz balls. Oh, you and, missed an um, opportunity right there. And, Come on, just and grab our balls. Just grab your balls and please open your buzz ball and get us that sweet background noise. Ooh, that's sprayed everywhere. That's what she said. Oh my god, that's sweet. We are drinking. <laughs> oh god. We are drinking 
buzz balls. Cheers, Bro, cheers ice. your balls. Cheers, you cheers, boys. Cheers your balls. Same one. No, oh, yeah. Drew's so you, you, you got, got what? Ch- chili mango? What do you got over there? Are you sure you're not a Buzzball fan? Because you just like called it by. You texted it to me. Don't That's put me true. on blast That's like true. that. Mm. Oh God, it's like a melted otter pop, but with booze. Yes. Wow. You know what? Wow. That's exactly what it is, Sinclair. That is 100 wow. what it is. Nailed it. Okay. And so when you put it that way, it's actually not that bad. Yeah, for, like, for, it's fine. for for our <laughs> listeners, we are drinking Buzzballs. Yeah, this really incredible article just came out. It is about the origins and now unfucking real success of of Buzzballs. Buzzballs are exactly I what they sound you've like. Seen them. You've seen yeah. them. Anyone listening, and, you've seen them by accident. Yeah, and they are basically little cocktails in in these little balls that have basically like a soda top on them that you can open up uh, and just crank through it. And they have just tons and tons. They usually are very vibrant in the color that they come in. So again, so mine's chili mango. So it's kind of, it's like a bright yellow with red lighting. You guys have the, 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 the which one? Tequila Rita. Tequila, yeah, tequila Rita. Tequila Rita, and so those are... Which, isn't that this, just a margarita? I mean, whatever, uh, but... <laughs> well, they're, they're they're having fun with it, so I think... But I think they that's add what, vodka into this. Yeah. Well, that... Okay. Right, well, I read that out loud. There's all kinds of crazy things happening, and, and I don't I don't know what to tell you. It's a nuclear tennis ball. It is a nuclear tennis ball, and it's... And so this article goes into kind of how Merrily Kick came up with this concept, and she had this idea of she wanted to have something kind of like easier to drink that was shatterproof and was inspired by a couple of different things, including a tennis ball container. That's where you kind of get that soda top deal from. Since 2009 has just continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger. She was ahead of the curve when it came to the canned cocktail thing. So it was some tough sledding early on. She found that. By switching to kind of like the the rice wine cocktail concept, uh, she was able to get into more stores and then now is doing all kinds of different spirit forward things. And this is just, it's taking over the world. Let me see if I can find the the number here. One thing that did stand out to me that their drinkers are 65% women over 35. That's, that's really it. But their new flavors and marketing have really started to appeal to a to the younger uh your TikTok generation. Buzzballs are for are for the folks who like to touch grass, which I think is hilarious. This is exploding and I couldn't believe how big it had gotten because a cent these cost you about 350 a ball. And let's see here. So from 2018 2021 they grew up to like 52 million. And then now they are currently at a total of $148 million in sales. They are bigger than America's biggest or number one IPA, the Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. So we're drinking these. I got to tell you, I like it a little bit more than I thought I was going to. Same. It's even, like, it's, I, I, it's like I, completely crushable once you put it on yeah. ice. I hate Trulies. I hate most of those things. I don't think I could drink a lot of them because it's definitely sweet. I got to tell you, at 350, being able just I'll, to roll up with these things, I think I'm in. I, I'll get a buzz off them. You know what this reminds This tastes like a river day. 
Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yep. Th- this mm-hmm. is floating down the river. This is hanging out at the river on the summertime. Just like, hey, just throw me one of those. Okay. And you know what? It is? At 15%, they're efficient. That is, I think, the thing that's um, really surprising because it is, yeah, alcohol is 15%. Oh, these these come sweet. in these come in 200 milliliters. Mine oh, is the big in- ones? Could What do you get, diabetes after one of them? Holy shit. Yeah. Chris, when you read this article, what were your thoughts? I mean, were you just uh, okay. as confused as I was? Sort of, but then I thought about my world and how often I see them, and I was less surprised. So I have a funny story, I, and I told you guys this uh, before before we started recording. When I was originally getting my liquor license for Good Bottle and get it, get it up and running, um, I had this crazy conversation. Part of what happens is you have to talk to multiple different, here in California anyway, multiple different entities. You have to talk to the uh, alcohol beverage control. You have to talk to uh, your local police department. Uh, you probably have to talk to your city planner. And all three of them theoretically talk to each other, even though none of them do. When I was going through the process, I was assigned a SAC PD agent who was specifically over all ABC claims. She called me while I was in the car with a uh, the district manager for uh, what is now RNDC. He no longer works for them. So I put her on speakerphone and she said, hey, I know that what you're doing is a, a little bit different. We at SACPD need to make sure that we give you like some restrictions on your license just because. And uh, I was like, okay, proceed. She's like, well, we want to limit the alcohol that you can sell your wine at. So we don't want you to sell any any wine over over 15%. I was like, well, that's going to be a problem because here in California and Sacramento, most of the wine that comes out of our region, like an Amador clocks in over 15%. And then also I can't sell vermouth or sherry. And she says, oh, are, are those made from wine? Yeah, yeah, those are made from wine. And she's like, I, I had no idea. She's like, well, mostly we just don't want you selling buzz balls. <laughs> wow. Like, I was like, well, well, I won't, but okay. <laughs> And she's like, all right, well, as long as we have that understanding. And then she hung up. I don't understand that the hatred that's involved in these little things. All I can say is that because of their packaging, I think they give off an understandable scary vibe. Well, <laughs> in, in, in this, in this article, it's described as like it has joined the ranks of the empty McDonald's fry box the plastic wrap of a black and mild and then now your empty buzz ball is now kind of like the litter that you see on the streets now they definitely don't give so you the, I, the vibe I, that's I, like classy i i gotta push like you know us being in sacramento do, i don't see that do you guys i don't see them in the street i don't see them in the street so Other one of the things is- i noticed in this article was that it was it's very midwest that there's a lot of Midwest in there, and I'm wondering if these are. And of course, you know, us being in Sacramento, we're also we're not a college town. I, I would love to see the statistics on how closely these are sold to college towns and their sales then. But also on another kind of on, on a little different vein. But you know, they talked about how she used to be a former high school teacher. These are aimed for 21, if not younger. Let's be perfectly honest right now. Yeah, and it's actually something they do get a lot of flack for and have got into a lot of legal disputes. They just recently launched in the UK and are now facing those issues there that the marketing is very much so 
geared towards people who are younger and more than likely younger than 21. So it's, it's definitely an issue. And then like when you're, when you consider a lot of the names, like I, I did like how they, like, Oh, they changed it, you know, to, <laughs> to something like the porn star martini as if that wasn't a drink forever already. It's definitely interesting to kind of go through this and, and see the people that they interview, like they're like devout buzzball people like one lady was like like people just expect me to show up with the bag of them kind of like i don't know if that's the reputation you want and the other one's like <laughs> the other one's like it's just a lot easier than carrying around a beer bottle i can get a little bit of a higher buzz and i'm kind of like i was like what are who are we catering to here so um so this takes me back to my first word here efficiency yeah. that, that that is what these are like they don't want to carry around a six pack of beer because that won't get them drunk enough that's yeah. really what they're saying at this point and, and they do have a like a very deep selection of options here. I mean, there's like strawberry Rita, pineapple jalapeno. Yeah, uh, Chris, gonna, what's the chocolate gonna, one that you got? I'm going to crack a chalk teas. Can you please open that and let us know if that was the biggest mistake of your life or not? By uh, absolutely my pleasure. I got to tell you off the nose. I'm a fan. Pinky okay. out. Love it. Uh, well, it's only for the sheer size of <laughs> what I got going on. It's, how are the tannins? Got to activate all my senses. Wow. It's fucking chocolate milk with ooze <laughs> in it. It's oh, no. better than it's better than the tequila Rita. I got to be honest, I had the option between the two and I couldn't bring myself to buy those. Now I Yo, think I regret it. I want to blend this up with ice. This is like this is fire. <laughs> this is so good. These are it, summertime. This is what summertime tastes like to me. Now, now, do you think that this company makes, you know, some of the same mistakes that ones in the past have where they're kind of like, we're having so much success with this canned, you know, article, like, let's come out with a real spirit, you know, or do you think it's like, no, this is your niche. Don't change lanes. I just read the ingredients for the chalk teas. I got to, I got to read this to you guys. Premium vodka, orange wine. And oh. cream with natural flavors. You think they're they're getting natty wine <laughs> throwing it in here? No, I bet this is more of like that Italian orange this wine. Is the, this is the Italian orange wine. For yeah. Sure. Well, the, the, the article talked about how that's a that's a loophole in what they're doing. Yeah, because like on the on the chillers, that's those are was. the ones that they can sell to to everybody, or to anybody that has like just like beer and wine license, they can do the chillers on that and. One of the things that's like really impressive about this woman as well is like she's kept everything in house and has been able to keep her costs down. And, you know, at one point when she was really pushing it, I mean, she was hitting 20 accounts a day, which I always tell new reps. It's like like, if you're not going to at least 10, you're not going to make it in this business. So, I mean, she was doing 20 and now she's a millionaire. So she was doing she was doing 20 as a noob. Also, yeah, like that's as a side hustle. Man, that is. And I got to admit, Spectral. with with each sip, I enjoy these more and more. Uh, I, I need to get I, some ice for mine. I honestly thought I was going to be in pain drinking this, but um, well, that might not happen till tomorrow. This is I don't uh, know, but they, they, they talked about no hangover. They they talked about no hangovers like three times in that article. But I also think that they might have been like talking to a younger audience. Like I remember who when doesn't I get used hangovers. To, like like when I used to, <laughs> who like I used to not like get them. And now I do, but so they have Lada, Pina Colada, Forbidden Apple, Strawberry Rum balls. Jobs. Oh my God, there's just I love, I love the Strawberry Rum Job. Yeah, Strawberry that that is that is a really really fucking funny name. 
No, you drew, you you made a comment earlier about how she's kept everything in house and kind of kept a lid on everything, and I think that's exactly why they're not going to go off into the spirit realm. I think she understands what she's captured here, and she's just going to ride on it. Okay, and if so it ain't broke, don't fix it. Here's the categories: so you have cocktails, which you know are kind of what what we're drinking now. Then you have the chillers, which is the one that Chris just had. They have mixed oh, this drinks. Is a cocktail. Which... It's a cocktail. It's got vodka okay. and orange wine. Okay, then you have mixed drinks. Which those ones come in six point five ounces, and then did you guys see the biggies? Yeah, I just saw a picture. So biggies are one point seven five in the same shape, so they look like these little they look like bowling balls. Yeah, and on those ones, I do the chili mango, the chocolate teas, the tequila Rita, strawberry Rita. You gotta, you gotta ask Ro if he's got the biggies. I didn't see him. Can you guys uh, add the link to this article into? the show notes because we, i gotta we, be honest that article was fascinating we had the link to every story we cover into our show yeah, notes that's what Neil? i like to hear did you guys watch the youtube video they showed about building the little buzz balls i did not no it's, it's only like two and a half minutes it's a machine it is a factory it is impressive oh they have espresso martini now too Ooh. so i wonder if that if they found a way to actually make it good talk about divisive statements jesus <laughs> <laughs> If there was a, a flavor profile that you would like to see Buzz Balls do, Neil, what would it be? Off the top of my head, uh, kind of going on theme with what I'm drinking tonight. Give me something peachy. Give me give me a peach ring. G- give me something like that. I think that would be a good Buzz Ball. Okay, Chris, what about you? If they could carbonate, give me a mojito, man. Oh, that'd be a good one. I can't believe that they don't have one already. I'm going back and forth between all these ones. I, no, I feel like a mojito is a pr- pretty standard flavor profile. Yeah, like that that shit would crush. I mean, they have horchata. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? How do you not have the mojito? I think they need some more coconut. I'm not seeing enough coconut here. What's what's going on? They had a colada. Yeah, I know, but they need more. They need more coconut. I need more yeah. cowboy. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so basically, when you see these oh, buzz a balls pain, a out. A would be fun. Pain would, would be work. Fun. When you see these buzz balls out in the wild, grab one. Treat yourself. They're actually not bad. Like four bucks. We'll let you know how we feel tomorrow. But for now, treat yourself. Grab yourself a buzz ball. Can we do a quick segment to add into this episode tomorrow? <laughs> like at tomorrow yeah. at 9 a.m.? <laughs> yeah. How do we feel right now? Like, oh my God, kill me. Hang on. I got to take a picture of these just so we, we got to document that shit. That was, God damn it. I'm, I'm going to keep drinking this. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> okay. So now on to. A topic, Chris, you said this to me weeks ago, and I like didn't believe you. It's actually very much so a thing. What is happening is the National Restaurant Association has come under fire because it has been revealed that the funds that they collect from restaurants all over the United States, where people have to pay to get different licenses and serve safes, which are uh, just like educations on proper food handling, They're using that money to lobby to keep minimum wage low for restaurant workers, which is just absolutely insane that you have all these people contributing to this and they're taking the the association is taking that money and actively keeping our service industry paid as little as possible. So, Neil, being in this industry for as long as you have, reading this, learning of this information, you had mentioned that you actually have to take this test tomorrow. Now you're going to boycott. What, what are your thoughts? What's what's going through your head when you're reading this? 
Well, I have to tip my hat to you because you got me nice and buzzed and then threw me this little pot of gold to go off on. So this is going to be fun here. First of all, I think we can establish that any kind of NRA of any sort is a piece of shit. I think where we can start there. This has been an issue of mine being a server for a long time, this whole like tip culture and and now finding out that like we're paying into like like first of all the serve safe for those of you who haven't taken it it's like some of those mundane boring questions you can ask like there's absolutely nothing you learn from it you click through some things like we know these things we work in restaurants we understand 32 degrees we understand the different temperatures of things but finding out that they're the ones fighting to keep our wages low i think is ridiculous i think the tip culture needs to go we're the only country in the world that actually does it which is utterly ridiculous and like if everyone else is doing it and we think we're doing it better we're probably doing it wrong just as history has shown us so far I don't understand this notion of like, why don't you just pay people a livable wage? And I understand that. I don't blame any single restaurant owner for this right now. This is how the standard has been set over years now. Tipping started on trains going across the Trans-American from from the East Coast to the West Coast back in the 1870s, I believe it was. Post-emancipation. Yes. There's a fantastic through line on it. I highly recommend everyone find that episode and listen to it. But yeah, it's it, it was it was for the slaves to get money, and we've just kind of transitioned it, and it's somehow been the only real industry that's continued built upon this guys. And Chris, I would love to hear your point of view on this on being an owner now, but it's like me as a patron, I would love to just go in and know the exact price I'm going to pay with something. Like add the 20% on top, add the tax on top. Like if I know, like, like it, say it becomes a $25 burger, but if it becomes that I know the server is going to get a livable wage in the kitchen and all that stuff. And I know that when the bill comes, it's going to be $25. I'm okay with that. Like I can never go out to a dinner and know how much I'm going to spend going out to it, even just looking at the menu because taxes and then tips and all these things and finding out that these restaurant associations we're paying into are fighting us. Like I would rather just see one straight number and pay it at the end. I don't know if yeah. that really answered your question, but no, no, that's no. Where I, I think I think it's the, it's the response. I mean, you know, again, this is since 2010, these certifications and things that servers have paid into has generated $25 million in revenue for this restaurant lobby. We and have not, we haven't said it yet, but uh, it also should be noted that ServeSafe is mandatory. Um, yes. For, for a majority of states. Not only have they lobbied to make this exam and class that you're forced to take, they spend a lot of time manufacturing it, creating it. A lot of it is mundane. Some of it is like it's necessary information. I don't think anybody's arguing that it's necessary information. They spent a lot of time lobbying to make this mandatory. Then they spent a lot of time marketing and creating the only test that anybody knows that they can take. Then taking that money, turning it around from the people that they take that money from to lobby again for lower wages. We're very lucky in California that our state government saw through their bullshit and voted down. They were trying to push for a, um, a server wage here in California, which still exists in a handful of uh, a handful of states across the country. I want to say uh, Pennsylvania, Florida, which is a lower than minimum wage. That's what they're doing, you know, and they're fighting tooth and nail to try to keep this down because who they're working for are like the Olive Gardens of the world. They don't give a shit because, you know, that's not real service. You know, they have, they're handed a script. They're told to show up to a table. Hopefully you have somebody who's like hospitable by nature. I, I don't want to say not real service, but it's, you know, it's manufactured service. 
Um, yeah. And so they can replace those servers every day of the week if they burn out and if they can't afford to live in their apartment and what have you. NRA has been doing this since post-emancipation when they were created. And I, I've learned this, which is like the biggest strategic misstep on their part was allowing something like this to get found out. I didn't know this. I, I mean, I've hated the NRA for forever, the, both of them, but the National Restaurant Association, I've met the people who work for them. They're slimy and awkward and weird, and it's obvious the second that you meet them that they've never spent a day of their life working in this industry. Everything that they work for is counterintuitive to anybody who's spent any amount of time in this industry. Do you guys think that there's anything that we could do about it? I mean, because it just seems like there's this huge machine going that, and obviously, like I said, 25 million over the last 12, 13 years. What can you do as an get, industry professional at this point? Get involved with One Fair Wage. They're a startup political group formed by restaurant owners and employees, uh, people who are service industry through and through, One Fair Wage. They've seen the success. They help fight down uh, the National Restaurant Association here in California. They brought to light and worked really diligently with uh, California representatives to make sure that what the National Restaurant Association was doing here in California did not pass, and it didn't pass, and now their work's not done, and they're continuing this fight. That's the easy step. Get involved with One Fair Wage. I follow what Chris said there. I got to be honest. I don't know. Uh, this is something that has frustrated me for a while, but I, I don't have the answer to it. I Hopefully, someone smarter than me does. And it sounds like the people Chris were just talking about are the people to follow, but I, I don't know what the solution is. And so I don't want to offer any kind of bad advice on my side. I think the biggest mistake is assuming things are hopeless. These guys, that's what they bank on. They spend millions and millions of dollars every year making people like us feel like everything is hopeless. And if we're, we feel like things are hopeless, we're not going to stand up. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to say anything. They profit literally and figuratively over the fact that we feel shame about sharing our voices. The fact that we stand up here and Drew, you make fun of me for getting on my soapbox, but you know what? Like I'm going to be loud and obnoxious, but God, I hope the day that I die, people say that I was loud and obnoxious, like with integrity. You know what I mean? Chris, as a, as a restaurant owner, like, I mean, what's the current situation for your guys's employees? Are they at minimum wage? Yeah. All of front of house is at minimum wage. All of our back of house is not at minimum wage. We, we pay them very, very well. Um, we also go above and beyond to create a structure that makes sure that the, the tipping works out very well in there, in the uh, front of house. We created a system that was specifically designed to make our bartenders money. I mean, to, to Neil's point, is it a situation where you would ever just include that where it's like you're just giving this is your tip no matter what and then we don't do any additional tipping? I mean, that's such a big step. It's a big step and it's such an anchor around our necks. Um, it's built into the social contract of American dining. And every time it attempts to get changed, first of all, every time it attempts to get changed, it ends up working against servers' favors. I think People don't anticipate what a good night looks like for a bartender or for a server. When they average things out, homogenize the pay, it ends up hurting servers in the long run and bartenders in the long run, uh, which is why a lot of bartenders and servers, at least in America, don't typically go for that. I mean, you just look at what happened to Danny Meyer, right? Uh, that whole group, they had lifers who worked there who just revolted off of that because 
they felt like they got all of a sudden taken advantage of because they couldn't make their ends meet living in New York City working on those wages. Well, I just say don't give up, okay? Because that's what they want you to do. Don't give up. You can be a leader. I don't know about being a leader, but you can get educated and you can you can talk to friends and especially in this industry and like share the story. What pisses me off probably more than this is that the USBG hasn't said shit about this. The United States Bartenders Guild. Look, Boy, you want to talk about an association I don't like. Yeah, and that's fair. <laughs> it, it's an organization that has great potential, but has fallen so far from grace. This is an, a professional organization that is meant to train and educate and guide people in a healthy, meaningful way forward in their career. And now you have an organization that they partner with that is actively fighting against every single one of their members. Like what, why the fuck don't you just stand up and say something like that's it's asinine to me. They don't stand on their platform and rebuke this. I think it's time to move on to our, to my favorite segment. You know who's dope? Them over there. That's right. It's time for Dope Follows. We're going to tell you who you should be checking out. Not just, you know, not just Instagram accounts, not just books, not just everything. Whatever we think is dope. I mean, maybe it's a podcast called Dine16. I don't know. Maybe that's something super dope that you should check out. Neil, for you, who's your who's your Dope Follow this week? So I'm, I'm going to take my own little, little offshoot here, but I'm going to say go check out the kitchen at JJ Fister out in... Out off 50. I don't know if that's Rancho or where it is Rancho. Yeah. A dear friend of mine, Taylor, is the head chef out there. She cooks the best burger in Sacramento. I will stand on that soapbox and say it. She does a meat cheese, meat cheese bun with a Calabrian chili aioli on it. That is absolutely outstanding. But she just got a whole kitchen installed in the last year out there and is doing some awesome things. So I'm going to say go check out JJ Fister's Kitchen. Love it. Chris, who's your dub follow? My dope follow is, in fact, one fair wage. Love that. She's just double dipping. That's right. We have two. (laughs) We we have the number one fair wage underscore official, and we have one fair wage spelled out, all one word, CA, one fair wage CA. So specifically for us here in California. Both of those I strongly suggest you follow. At least stay in the know. You know, you have the resources. Please, please, please read this article. It will lead you in a rabbit hole, or at very least, it'll just illuminate some things for you that um, in this industry that we we fight with. Not only do we fight a stigma of our profession, but now we're actually literally fighting for our livelihoods, and that's that's bullshit. I'm gonna change gears big time and change the tone, and I'm gonna recommend this account on Instagram and it's called your day, your daily dose of cringe and cringe is spelled with a K. This is an account that shares some of the cringiest videos you will ever see in your entire life in one place. And on it says your daily dose of cringe, try not to unfollow challenge. And I got to tell you, like when I first read that about a week ago, I was like, I can probably handle this. I've almost unfollowed this account like 13 times already because the videos are so brutal and it's still like, I'm not completely conditioned to it yet, but you're just kind of like, I can't believe that people put this out online. It's so funny, but it is also just like, if you just want to be wildly uncomfortable, follow this Instagram account. I I I think they're on Twitter too, because I think I saw one of those the other day, like some guy getting smoked by a massive train. 
No, no, it's, it's not even stuff like that. Their favorite thing to kind of highlight are these people who think they're animals. And I went down the rabbit hole when I first started following them. And it's a, like a serious thing. Like it's and it's not like a fetish, like like the furry kind of thing. It's like, no, you if you're a fox, like you think you're an actual fox. There's videos of how to pounce like a fox and move like a fox. And that's the kind of cringe that I'm talking about. That's your daily dose of cringe. No one's getting hit by a train, but you're going to see someone on all fours jumping around like a fox. I think those were some pretty, uh, pretty dope follows. Definitely follow Chris's. <laughs> the music for the Good Bottle podcast is orchestrated by Leon and Chase Moore. Produced awkwardly by us two guys with editing and post-production support by Ryan Donahue. If you've enjoyed this episode, we've asked that subscribe and please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends because you have those and we don't simple things like that make a huge difference to us thank you very much you can also follow us on instagram or facebook the good bottle podcast or on our personal accounts mine is d garrison six chris is Kristen flair neil where can they find you in the dine one six at the dine one six on instagram and on twitter and please give us a listen on spotify or apple podcasts it is at d-i-n-e-o-n-e-s-i-x no dashes still one of the best podcast names oh dude it's a great name max nailed that one yeah kudos to you max you're fucking stud man love it as always, we'd like to thank you for tuning in and listening to this documentary. If there's anyone you think we should talk to, reach out to us and we'll make sure Drew gets nice and drunk to ask. And you know I do it because I care, you guys. And what we're going to start doing, per producer Ryan's recommendation, is a different toast, or you're going to learn about toasting with each one. So just so you guys know, toasting started with the Romans, and the reason they did that was to clank your glasses as hard as you could together because killing each other with poisonous wine was so prevalent that that's how they would deter each other from killing, like poisoning each other. They haven't gotten nicer in Italy because now while you're toasting in Italy, if you don't maintain eye contact, you are cursed with seven years of bad sex. So fellas, I know my screen is frozen. Yours is not. So just look at us. Cheers to you. Cheers to everybody at home. Don't break eye contact. Keep your sex life good. Cheers. That's the most, that's the most Donahue thing I've ever heard. Ha, 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 ha.